Hello and welcome to Let's Have Coffee. I'm your host, Brian Fleming. So today's uh, guest is Kyra Gallard. This is uh, my first interview and I decided to do it with someone very special. Um, Kyra is my best friend of 21 years, almost 22 years now. And uh, this was a really important conversation for me. You know, it's the first podcast and I wanted to get started on a positive note and who else to have in my life than who else to have on the podcast than the person that's been um, probably the most heavily involved in my life since the very beginning. So um, we talked about a number of different things uh, prefaced in the fact that we had talked um, all day. We actually hung out. We went paddle boarding and whatnot um, earlier in the day. And as I'm recording this intro, actually, it's about two or three months after recording this podcast. Um, it took a while to just build up the nerve to actually, you know, record the intro and get things set up and actually post it. So um, uh, I hope that you enjoy listening to it. I had a great time with this conversation. And without further ado, here is Kyra Gillard. Sally's house. Basically, Brian and I went 
to daycare together. And I think nowadays daycare is a lot of times thought of a place that's very structured and you go and drop your kid off behind the gate and it's in an office park and they take care of it. But Brian and I went to daycare in Skip Ranch in Mm -hmm. our home at a home of a wonderful woman named Sally. And it was just one of the best possible places to grow up. It was so loving and it really was a family. It wasn't just four walls that you went into while your parents were at work. It was family. We had sleepovers. We did stuff outside. We went to the bank. We used to always go to the (laughs) bank with Sally. So so pretty much (laughs) Sally in her house ran a daycare. Yeah. And for years and years and years and years, both of our sisters, who are the same age and five years older than us, mm-hmm. uh, went there, and that's where they became best friends. And then you as came along, yeah, <laughs> you were born. You went there immediately. Yeah, I was born. I went there immediately, and so we grew up in that house for quite, pretty much through Middle most school? of. No, no, no. I I think I left around fourth grade or so. You left around then or a year before me, I think. Yeah. Okay, so end end of elementary school. But, you know, ten years. Yeah. Like, or nine years or so. And, yeah, a magical place. To me, it feels more like 15 years. Like, that's how impactful it was Have you been there for, or, like, it felt like a long time. Have you gone back there recently? I haven't. I heard it's changed. I heard... Uh, my sister told me that the fence is now in the front yard. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I'll drive by sometime. I drove past it, like, was it two weekends ago or three weekends yeah. ago? Yeah. Actually, I drove past it when Adriano's here. Mm-hmm. Literally, I did not recognize it. Just because the there used to be such a big hill in the front. A, it was a big front yard. A big backyard. It was a big, big backyard. front yard. Yeah, in the front yard, like, you could roll down this hill. We would do that all the yeah. time. And it was... Just, like, the fence line went all the way to the sidewalk, and I was so confused because I got sad. I was like, what happened, so the, weird. what happened to the weird, yeah. rickety, like, red fence that was there? And it was, like, a wooden fence that was painted red. I don't know. Weird. It's weird to see your childhood change and it not be your childhood anymore. Other people yeah, are living in the house. They have people. no recollection of it. Yeah, like, even... The house here that I grew up in, we sold to a family with young kids. Mm-hmm. It's their childhood home now. Yeah. It's not my childhood home anymore. We don't have it. Yeah. But to me, it's mine. They don't get to have it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But this kind of segues into something I wanted to bring up with you, which is the concept of parental figures it, when growing up, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how parental figures, specifically not your parents, <laughs> played a role in your life? I think we're really used to this idea, especially in the United States, but this isn't true maybe elsewhere in the world, that mm-hmm. we're really used to, you have your mom and you have your dad, and those are the two adults that you live with your whole life, and, or your whole childhood. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if it was your whole life, but they're the only ones that are there for you all the time, but that's very different than how I grew up and very different how you grew up. I grew up with my aunt living in our house with us, and she, the way I describe my Aunt Sherry to people is she's like my mom, but she doesn't have to get mad at me when I do bad (laughs) in school. That's true. Like, it's just constant love all the time. And then I also had Sally, which was just constant love all the time. I had all the people that came with Sally's, all the other great parental figures that worked there and I also had the Flemings Mm -hmm. like I had a whole nother 
could just go to and call any second if I ever needed anything. Therese Fleming. If I can't get a hold of my mom, next best thing. Who would drop anything and come and help me if I needed to? One of the Flemings. My Aunt Sherry, if mm-hmm. I couldn't get my parents. I think it's really important when you're young, because especially my parents, they can't be around all the time. They both worked. My mom was a high-powered scientist. My dad was really busy. They weren't able to be there all the time, I'm sure. They missed big events when I was little, but I don't remember those big events. What I remember is having so many people that loved me, and I think, especially when I bring it up that I went to daycare and that my mom was a working mom, people sometimes think I had a really sad childhood because she missed things, Mm -hmm. but I had so many other people there that Mm -hmm. even though my mom missed things, she was still there for a lot, and I still had so much love coming from all these other places that my life was almost better than people whose moms were there all the time and only had a mom and a dad to give them love. I had all these people. Mm -hmm. Something, too, to note. We are both the young... We're the youngest of two. Yeah. So not like we're the young kid out of, like, six. But it was still also... Having older siblings is a big factor in your life. Um, That's another parental figure. Yeah, and my my mom is always so worried. She always reminds me, you're not your sister. Don't you can do your own thing. We don't compare you. And it's like, I know you don't compare me to her, but it's hard for me not to compare myself to her Mm -hmm. in a good way. Like I'm so inspired by her. I want to be like her. Mm -hmm. I don't look down on myself when I don't achieve the same things she does, but I've also achieved things she hasn't achieved, but Mm -hmm. it's nice to have this figure that's four and a half years older than me that I can be like, this is who I can aspire to be. Yeah. And it's right there. It's almost, it's more tangible because I've seen it growing up in the same house. It's not having uh, a a model that someone far away and kind of imaginary almost because they're so, like they're famous. Yeah, they're almost so old that you're like, how do you, how do you... You can't fill in that 20, 30-year gap what between do I the do? parents that you can fill in a four-year gap. Because you saw the four-year gap. You yeah. can remember the four-year gap. There's not a 25-year year gap where you weren't even a thought in someone's yeah. mind. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. Because especially for me and my sister, too, also four and a half years. My sister is older than your sister by not that a much. A month and a two months? Two no. Months? No, longer than that, I think. My Not, sister's in May. Isn't mine, Marie in April? Yeah. It's a month. Oh, like a month. Yeah. Only a month. Yeah, yeah, okay. So super close. Yeah. But then you're four months older than me. Yeah. So I have a slightly larger gap, barely. Like four, <laughs> four point seven five type year difference barely, between yeah. me and my sister. But no, I, I totally agree with that. You kind of grow up and you see your older sister or older sibling, I guess. And especially if they're... They're just far enough away where they're not at the same school as you, mm-hmm. ever. Well, almost. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but, like, they're, you always get to see, oh, this is what I get to look forward to next. Or this is what I'm afraid of next. Or yeah. whatever. And I think it works out for the better, though, for us. Because we, I think, as being the younger siblings, get way more leeway oh, with yeah. our parents. I remember my sister did not get a cell phone until she went to high school. And then I think maybe in sixth grade, I got a cell phone for my birthday, and my sister was so angry. She was like, that's not fair. You guys are going to wait three years later. And they were like, well, you know, Kyra has to take the bus to school. And she was just like, no, this isn't fair. There's so many things you do get when you're the younger sibling that it's kind of just like, ha, ha, ha. 
I think too that your parents actually influenced my parents with that because or vice versa. I don't know. Probably probably, probably your parents first. Yeah, and then I don't because I got my I got a cell phone I think fifth grade. Yeah. yeah so that would for have the been, same reason. That would have been when I got mine. Yeah. And because then my sister was also yeah, living. Right, because then I think it was also so Brian and I are four months apart, but we're always a year apart in school. Yeah. So I think it's You're one the of those, older than me. Yeah, I think it's one of those things well, you know, Kyra they just gave Kyra a phone. Yeah. Brian might as well have a phone now too if Kyra's already doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much because we grew up pretty at the hip, we were considered siblings by people who did not know us. Yeah, there's so many times. So Brian and I both, not as much now that we've grown up a little bit more, but still, I think I look more like Brian than I look like my other siblings. You, yeah, you yeah. and I actually look a lot yeah. alike compared to, I think me and Marie look You similar, guys look alike. But you, I don't really see, I don't know, I think you and I do look a lot alike yeah. compared to um, like AJ or Daniel. Yeah, so we're just we just were growing up. We're two blonde uh or blonde hair, blue eyed kids that were only four months apart. So we pretty much were always the same height, looked the exact same age. You couldn't really distinguish mm-hmm. who was older. And people used to think that we were twins. Yes. Even when I show people pictures, people are like, "Oh, your brother," and I'm like, "No, <laughs> not quite. Not even not related." <laughs> the uh, what's it called when we would go to uh with your mom. The, mainly your mom yeah, yeah to the grocery store we used store. to go grocery we we spent the weekends together yes. every weekend we were together your parents were my friday parents yeah right the, every your mom was specifically my friday mom i remember that yeah every friday the flemings brian and marie would come and spend the night and we would just hang out but that also entailed doing things with our parents the next morning because we were still little kids yes which we loved we loved to go grocery shopping Grocery shopping was so much fun. Yeah. We made it fun. Yeah. We would make grocery shopping so fun. And there was this one time, I don't even remember this story because I'm assuming it's not just one story. I'm assuming it's... It's probably a culmination. Of every time we ever went grocery shopping. Yeah. Yeah. My mom likes to tell it. It's... We were at the grocery store. It's me and Brian with my mom. It's probably a Sunday afternoon, so the grocery store's packed. Mm -hmm. Brian is climbing on some display of something and I'm running around him screaming and we're just having so much fun we don't care that we're in a public place that we're embarrassing my mom that other people are like control your children no yeah well we don't know that yeah we didn't know we're too young it was too fun yeah um and my mom always tells how somebody came over to her and said wow it must be so hard twins I couldn't imagine thinking that me and Brian were twins which we are not. Which we are not. But we just were feeding off of each other's energy to be brats. Torrents. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And my mom was like, only one of them is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. Just, it didn't matter where we went, too. Like, we would go, even with Sally. So you mentioned the bank runs. I, I went to the bank. So in her blue, I don't even remember what car it was. She just had this blue car. I... My parents, even though I'm the younger of those two, got to sit in the front because my parents said, oh, yeah, Brian can sit in the front seat. I wasn't allowed to sit in the front seat until I was in middle. I still remember the day I got to sit in the front seat. I got to sit in the front seat on the way to the grocery store once. Oh, my god! That was the first time I ever did. I never felt more grown up. You were doing it years before me. Yes. Yes. My parents let me do that far more. 
And we went to, we would go to the bank with Sally, and I would get to sit in the front seat. You would have to sit in the back seat, and uh, sometimes Sean would be there. Sean mm-hmm. is another friend of ours from when we went to Sally's. Um, and we would just go and try not to be loud at the bank, because Sally would be livid. But we'd be poking each other and, like, messing with each other's head and hair and all that stuff all the time. There's a worse place to bring children than the bank. The bank is so quiet yeah, and all like, the time. Yeah, and, people are on edge because everybody's financially yeah. just at a mess. And it's, you know, we would go in, like, the middle of a Tuesday. The bank wasn't busy. No, yeah, there'd so be nobody there. you make noise. Everyone knows it's you. Yeah. We can't, can't hide. hide. Uh, <laughs> and then there would be those, do you remember those signs? So, like, a lot of banks and stuff have these, but, like, the signs would say, like, success. And it's, like, you know, the black yeah. frame and then a random picture of people skydiving or things like that. I always remember the bank that she went to because of all of those. And every time I see those, I think of two things. One, her bank. And two, the, like, anti-version of those. Do you know what I'm talking about? The ones that are, like, it'll say, like, success. But then underneath it, the little, like, slurb is something really, like, raunchy or, yeah. like, inappropriate. <laughs> and I don't know. I just think those are hilarious. That's too funny. They're like anti-motivative quotes yeah. or something. But those are just hilarious. But we got tangented. Parental figures. Yeah. They're very important, but they don't have to be your parents. Yes. My, I think uh, that's important. Absolutely. My One of the biggest things growing up for me that I realized was because I always had my parents, and I always, on Fridays, but also other whenever I really needed it, had your parents. Yeah. It really didn't matter where you were as long as you had important figures in your life that could guide you in some sort of way, like a mentor or a parent or a guardian, whatever you want to call them. And that's played a role in my life to constantly seek, like, those types of people out, you know? And finding your parents and your aunt and Sally and Sherry, her daughter, who helped at the daycare, and... Many others, I would say, but those are the most notable from, like, the really young days. Sometimes Sean's parents were that way for me as well. But no matter what, I felt like you had somebody to turn to or talk to or be with if you needed, you know? And somebody that you could trust who had that parental stature that could take care of stuff because they were an adult, you know? Do you feel like that mindset of having those figures around, especially now that we're, we're both 21... Uh, having those figures around at this age has meant or been of value to you in the same way it was when we were little? Oh, 100%. Even, and I've added more of those figures into my life even more as a mentor role. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I have a mentor from undergrad mm-hmm. who really filled a role kind of like that while I was at school. Like, in my mind, she was a mentor, but she was almost, she was a mom. Mm-hmm. She was there for me. She looked out for me. But even as I get older, I still talk to my mom every single day. Mm-hmm. I talk to my aunt as often as I can. I mm-hmm. talk to my dad as much as I can. I talk to my sister as much as I can. Still having people there and just having people in your corner mm-hmm. makes things easier. Yeah. It makes it easier to have somebody that you can fuck up to a pretty big extreme <laughs> yeah. before they're going to say, whoa. Yeah. They're always going to they're gonna be there for you. That's even like my dad has me, my sister, and my brother's name tattooed on his body. And oh, we really? asked him why. I didn't know that. And we said, you don't have mom's name, you only have ours, why? And he was like, 
you'll be my children no matter what. Yeah. Nothing can happen that makes you not my kid. Yeah. Nothing. And I think it's really important to keep, just because I'm 20, I'm not an adult. Society might call me an adult, but I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything on my own. I am not very self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I still need people like that in my life. And they change shape, right? They become older friends, teachers at school, professors, mm-hmm. your advisor. But I still have all those same people from when I was a kid, too, which I'm really lucky to have. Mm-hmm. Not everybody keeps that close relationship with their parents or close relationships with other adults. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One thing, too, and I've talked to you about this before, but since this is the first podcast, yeah. nobody, <laughs> unless, I, unless I've posted this and there's been other blog posts or something on my site, people don't really know this. So the point of this podcast, by the way, I didn't tell you what the name of this podcast is because no. I'm going to record a separate intro yeah. and that's going in this. So the name of the podcast is Let's Have Coffee. So we're supposed to have coffee and because we, it's, what time is it? Like, like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, because it's three in the afternoon and we just went paddle boarding earlier and we just had lunch and like sushi. Yeah. I totally forgot about the part where I had coffee for us and we sit down and have coffee. I feel coffee. cheated. Yeah. So <laughs> that means, I think that means that this isn't necessarily voided but that means we have to come back that yeah <laughs> and we'll have so. to do a proper one with I coffee think it does. so the name of the podcast let's have coffee stemming from the fact that i love coffee adore coffee you love coffee i, love I know coffee. this and part of the point of let's have coffee is like the premise of having good conversations with good people right mm-hmm. so people specifically that have played a role in my life in some fashion, you being the best friend from birth and how that friendship has stemmed for such a long time, which we'll get into in a second. Yeah. And uh, just the fact that I want to be able to learn things from those people, whether it's, you know, my best friend or my neighbor of a long time or a random coworker that I've just gotten to know. Maybe it's a, a professor or whatever. I haven't really, you know, Obviously, this Figured is, this is episode zero, zero, one, so we're learning. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the premise of my website, The Daily Strive, which I also don't think I no. told you the name of the website. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thrown into this. I got a text like earlier this week yes. that was like, do you want to be on my podcast? And I was like, I get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Not a lot of preparation has gone no. into this, frankly. But The Daily Strive, in the premise of which, is to live intentionally every day so the daily strive right striving daily to to reach that to actually live a meaningful life through intentional yeah means you know um and that takes many forms but one way that i have found to be helpful and structural to me is through living each day and at least attempting to uh establish some sort of good favor with my values those being I have six foundational values that I like to go by, those being my health, both physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, uh, my relationships with others, that's family, that's friends, um, and I guess coworkers and et cetera, acquaintances, but mainly family and friends. Um, there's growth, being uncomfortable and learning from those experiences. Uh, there's contribution, helping people around you and actually making a difference to others. There's community, which is very personal to me recently, 
which I can also get into in a second, <laughs> as uh, mainly being something that I felt I was lacking and I wanted to work on a lot. And that's part of this podcast too, is to help build community and learn from that. Um, also plays into those parental figures. Yeah. It's very much a community thing. Um, and uh, what did I say? I said health, relationships, growth, contribution, uh, community. community, and passion. So doing what you love and anything that is going to actually be of service to you or things that makes, you know, make a difference in your life, people too often times will know what those things are and then not do it. Let's say it's, let's say you get fueled by writing, right? If you're just absolutely love writing, but then you can't, you know, you, you, you haven't written for months or years because you are just, you know, busy at work or maybe it's your hobby and you're busy at work or you're doing like a lot of stuff with friends, but maybe it's just like going out to the bars or whatever it may be. Maybe it's the fact that you're, you just feel busy or you're watching Netflix too much or whatever it may be. Those aren't necessarily inherently bad things, but going from doing all that to actually doing something that fuels you, like doing your passion, is really important. So that's why it's on that list as well. So the point of the podcast and the website in general is to really dissect those things and um, the shapes that they play in my life, but also the lives of those around me. Um, So going into that, relationships a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about how we grew up as friends since birth. Pretty much. My birth. Yeah. And, uh, but not only that, how do we maintain such a, a good friendship after 21 years of life? Almost Which, 22. Yeah, almost 22. When you first asked me that question, I honestly had no idea. I had never really thought about it because I think you have just been such a constant in my life. And, uh... In my mind, the Flemings are family. You don't, you don't have a choice, but we do. <laughs> yeah. We do have a choice that we spend time in each other's lives, and our relationship has definitely gone through very, very different stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different stages of dependence on each other, and very different stages of kind of figuring out what to do. So I think it's hard to sum it all up in one sentence that this is how we stayed friends for twenty-one years. Mm-hmm. But I think. Going back to when we were little kids, boys and girls, like, don't always get along very Correct. well when you're yeah. a little kid, so it's weird to find a best friend that's a guy and a girl. I think we were lucky we had a lot of very similar hobbies because we were forced together at such a young age mm-hmm. and spent all of our time together that we developed some of the same hobbies, but even when we didn't have the same hobbies, we were always conscientious, like, conscientious conscientious about the other what the other one was into and what the other one liked to do mm-hmm. even if it wasn't necessarily the same thing that we like to do we always kept in mind that hey maybe brian doesn't want to go and try on dresses for five hours and hey maybe kyra doesn't want to go ride mountain bikes <laughs> for five hours yeah. right let's find something we do like to do like watch spongebob absolutely <laughs> or play in the pool yeah or play board games, or <laughs> force you to get married to me. Yeah, so uh, our sisters, along with Kyra, I felt like I had no control yeah. of this, but I think at the same time, I didn't really care. None whatsoever. No. You had no control. Um, our sisters, 
FAMU yes. uh, conspired to marry me to Kyra. And multiple times. Multiple so times. many times. There was not... I, I, be, I don't know how many divorce papers I need to sign at this point. Probably a lot. Probably more than seven. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, definitely have gotten married to you uh, seven times yeah. over or more when we were younger. Yeah. Yeah. But I really... Right. I think it's important to keep in mind that your best friend might have interests that differ from yours, mm-hmm. and that's okay, but also have other friends that want to do those things. Mm-hmm. Don't force the person that doesn't want to do them to do them, but keep in mind just because they're not doing everything with you doesn't mean they're not your best friend, mm-hmm. and that I think really is how I stayed such good friends through changing when you're really awkward and you're like, 11 and 13 that prepubescent yeah just weird stage where you're trying to figure out what you're what you're into but so yeah and then I also think the reason we managed to stay good friends is we both influenced who each other was Mm -hmm. growing up I was a tomboy I liked to dress in boys clothes I didn't mind being gross and I think a lot of that was because that's what my best friend did. That so was me, yeah. <laughs> why, why am I not supposed to dress like that? If yeah. he dresses like that, I'm going to dress like that. If he T-shirts and board shirts. Yeah, right? Why not? And I rubbed off on you, and you are a much more sensitive, in a good way, young man. Most mm-hmm. people don't get to that point until they're much older, but Ryan grew up surrounded by women. His best friend was a girl, his True. mom, his older sister, my older sister, my mom, my aunt, Sally. He really had... But he could, I had no escape. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't he couldn't get away from it. And so I think that's really helped our friendship. And also, as we've gotten older, making time for each other mm-hmm. is really important. And, you know, willing to talk on the phone when the other one wants to. Communicating. That doesn't mean that we communicate every day because we no, don't. No, we definitely don't. We yeah. definitely don't. But in my mind, that hasn't changed our relationship in any way I can still pick up the phone and talk to you for three hours and tell you everything that I need to tell you I just because I haven't talked to you yeah in a couple days or a week or two and I think also one of the big things because I think it's really hard being a significant other and coming in to a friendship like Brian and I have yeah because it's like we're siblings but we're not actually related, but that's how close we are. And I think that can be very Mm off-putting to some people and confusing how two people of the opposite gender are so close, but it stops at that. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the reason Brian and I have stayed friends and have been able to have successful relationships is we make it very clear that we are very important in each other's lives. Oh, all of my friends know about yeah. you, regardless yeah. of what their status is. Everyone knows about the Flemings. Yes, at school you yeah. mentioned that the Flemings are a staple name in yeah. your vocabulary. Yeah, uh, but I think it's really, because I, c- I could have seen it going the other way, that the people that we associate with not understanding the relationship we have and mm-hmm. us drifting apart because of that. But we've done a very good job at making it clear that Brian's here to stay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. right off the bat, he's my best friend. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, something to every, like, when I got into college, and, and then I think this is very common, people at school, like, freshman year, they were constantly, like, 
they're they're battling that thing of especially if they go to school far away from where they went to high school. Yeah. You know, trying to explain or like you know trying to not bring in old friendships into these new ones and and be very much like oh yeah like I've have experience with this or I've tried these things or been hung out with these types of people before. But in college, you get to really make it your own, right? And I remember coming to college and being like, well, none of these people here are going to know my friends from high school regardless. So, like, when I talk about them, or if I talk about them at all, it's going to go right over their head. But it didn't matter because at least, you know, a lot of my friends right now, the friends that, you know, stuck around or at least the ones, a lot of your freshman group um, doesn't stick around. You might know them or hang out with them every once in a while, but, like, you're not best friends with them anymore. Um, but a lot of my friends at school, at least pretty much anybody that's around to stay is definitely knows, you know, Kyra Gallard knows the, maybe not your last name, but they know Kyra. Everyone knows his last name. Oh yeah. Brian. Yeah. They all know. I, but I really think the key to how our friendship has managed to last this long is being open to changing styles of the friendship, Mm -hmm. right? Like. It's gone through many phases. Many phases. You know, when we were little kids, we did everything together. Literally. We had sleepovers all the time. Mm-hmm. As uh, I would sit. So she had this pull-out bed. Yeah. Uh, we, on the second floor, she had her room. And they have, her mom has an obsession with large dogs. Yep. Napoleon being the first of these dogs. And he was and a also golden retriever, but a the big... The smallest of the dogs. Yeah. But still a huge mm-hmm. golden retriever. He was a big um, guy. Big, big dog. And then, love this dog to death. We would have sleepovers, and I would stay in you, with your, or in your room, yeah. like, with you, and you would be in your bed. You had a little pull-up bunk below it. I slept in that. But every single night that I would stay there, Napoleon just waddles his way in. And would sleep, like, in between your legs. Literally, like, that or pretty much nuzzle me to the side of the bed and he would take the entire bed. But, you know, minor details. I just didn't get great sleep. (laughs) Well, and remember, do you remember you always slept in that bed with a Spongebob, like, comforter? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? So after Napoleon passed away... My family was living in Massachusetts at this time, and not to be, like, morbid or anything, Mm -hmm. but he passed away, and we needed to get this, like, 120-pound dog out of the house, Mm -hmm. and we found that blanket, and we were like, this, this is Brian and Napoleon's blanket. Like, Mm -hmm. it was what they did, and so we used that to, like, keep with him, Mm -hmm. and it seemed, like, very, very full circle. Very full circle, It's always when he had slept on when Bobo would come over. Yes. Yeah. Oh, real fast. Bobo. Bobo. Yeah. Bobo's. Brian. Bobo's me. Yeah. And uh, the name of choice for Kyra and her entire family to call me since a very young age. Since forever. Since I don't remember not being called Bobo. Yeah. There you go. Um, but absolutely, I just remember the. Oh, I miss Napoleon. It's been a long time. Yeah. And then the other two dogs are huge too. Just big, big, big guys. Yeah. Um, I we tangent in. Yeah, friendship. Just our friendship. It's changed phases yes. many, many times. And the fact that I think we've both been okay with that happening is what has kept our friendship going. Mm-hmm. We're okay that 
we don't have sleepovers every Friday night now because no, we're busy. We, we have, well, A, we don't have sleepovers anymore. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Because we're both adults of yeah. opposite sex. <laughs> yeah. But, right, it changes, it morphs. You always find things mm-hmm. that the other one is interested in. And, I mean, being friends with someone, you're not always 100% of the time going to be into doing the exact same things. That would be the most boring friendship in the world if you never tried anything new no and so i think i don't think there's any one secret to staying friends for a long time and how we've made it this long right because i've been through many friends Mm -hmm. that have been really important in my life but we've drifted apart and we haven't lasted but no matter what we we always come back to each other and fill each other in on the important parts that we've missed even if it's been a while oh absolutely there was a time so um, Kyra lived in San Diego all through birth through, what year did your mom move? After my freshman year of high school. So after freshman year of high school, Kyra's mom got a job on the East Coast, and mm-hmm. we're on the West Coast. Pretty much the very opposite side of the United yeah. States in Massachusetts. And Almost as far away as you could get. Pretty much without going to Maine. Yeah. So, went to Massachusetts, and, uh, you went with her. Yep finished high school, and went to the end of high school uh, in Massachusetts. Yep. And then finished, went through all of college in North Carolina. Yes. And that entire time, well, not the entire time, the rest of my high school career, I was still in San Diego, and then went to school in Iowa. Yeah, so it's a long-distance friendship, too. That was a long-distance friendship for probably seven seven years. years, Yeah. Oh, yeah, whenever your mom moved out there. Yeah. So seven years, uh... Uh, after being by stuck at the hip, yeah, literally, we, li- yes, literally. Sometimes we were removed by thousands of miles of distance. Yeah, and you are now back in San Diego after I am. graduation. After seven years, yes, I moved myself home. But now <laughs> I get to go back to school yeah, for another you do year. For another year, but it's crazy how fast that last year of school really goes by. Yeah. They say college goes by fast, and you're like, no. I think I realized it was going fast at, like, the middle of last year. After. Because I'm like, I'm a junior. Yeah. I realized you were graduating in, like, four months, and I was like, what's happening? Mine was after sophomore year, and I was, like, halfway done. Yeah. And you haven't done anything. I have to leave soon. Yeah. Like, very soon. Mm -hmm. So, that's been... That's been quite the ride of, of being separated in that sense. But, you know, you've been back for holidays and whatnot. And that's something that I was talking to you about this earlier. We got lunch. And something that I realized is we, we did have a lot of things that we didn't know about, about each other's lives in the last seven no, years. we had a lot of things that somehow you just missed. Okay, maybe it was just I me. I don't know what it, I think I, I think it's the whole being a boy thing. Boys aren't as good at really like paying attention to social media no or like because i feel like i've had no gaps and i've known everything that your sister's done and your parents have done but every time like i'll mention something i do and brian's like when did that happen and yeah like, what are you talking what do you mean you see to me this is surprising because no. i well because i i think i give myself a lot of credit for understanding what's happening in my friends lives but with you, for some reason, uh-uh. I missed a lot. Yeah. I just missed it all. I think it has to... I really am not trying to throw everyone under the bus, but 
boys are bad at this. Maybe. Like, they're just not. I, I was not good at social media. No. I'm still not. Well, I'm, I'm very not no, right now. No, you're horrible I'm at social media. completely off of it yeah, now. Yeah, you don't but. use it. But every time I would, some, Brian, when Brian went to Peru, I had said, oh, I loved Peru. And he's like, oh, my God, you've been? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, five years ago. Yeah. But, and he, like, couldn't believe it. And I was like. Where have you been? Yeah, I found out today just how many places that you had been to. I knew that you'd gone to multiple places. Yeah. But, like, you've been all over the map. And I was just like, oh, boy, I really no, but did not re- I, realize. I really think, I don't know. I think it's on Brian. Not to throw Brian under the this bus This probably here, is on me. Because I didn't tell him this part earlier. But I really think maybe when I, you just somehow, I don't know how you somehow just missed it. Maybe I didn't do a good job of communicating because we didn't talk. We didn't really start talking on the phone a lot until in, I was in college. Yeah, until college. Yeah, but definitely not in high school. No, I didn't. I not didn't in high school. I hated effort. talking on the phone. There's only a few people I even like talking on the phone to. And I'm one of them. Yes, you are. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much just family and friends. But uh, I I remember. Okay, so some you brought up something about. Uh, communication and so that's where this is right so yeah uh very much lack thereof on my part <laughs> very much but but also my part also yeah it's a joint effort yeah. but um i i remember the so the importance of the maybe the smaller amounts of communication that we did have um something that every time i think about this since it happened has always been stuck in my head is is the role that you've played for me as being one of those go-to people that you yeah. talk to in times of need, right? So uh, it stems it stems all the way back from even when my grandpa died. That yeah. was 10 years ago. We were at your house, and my parents went to – my mom was out of town for work, I think, and my dad – my thought – and my, my grandpa on my dad's side uh, was not doing well. He had a stroke. So my dad went out there, and – me and Marie were at your house, of course, because yeah. where else do we go? And uh, I remember after that occurrence where my grandfather passed away uh, and I was with you guys, you got – your family and you were so supportive and comfort like comforting yeah. that that had always been, like, an anchor to be, like, okay, you're, you guys specifically, your whole family, but you have always played that role in my life as someone I can go to in those moments? Yeah. I think it's really helpful to have somebody that knows the whole story, Mm -hmm. but is one step removed. You know what I mean? Like, there's no explanation you have to do to explain how someone else in our life is important. Yeah. We just know. Oh, absolutely. We understand. Because I've lived the life alongside you, Mm -hmm. but being one step removed, I think it makes it a lot easier for us to give advice to the other one and to comfort the other one. Yeah. Yeah. And we're really lucky that we have that, that we don't, I don't have to explain to you why I'm upset about something. Yeah. You get it. You can call me and say, this happened. This is what I feel. And I don't need six years of explanation for why. Why it got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's, there's really two insightful incidents. And I think, I don't know if I've like, told you about it after the fact of how important it was to me at that time I think I have but about I don't know a year and a few months back 
I was going through a really dark time. Yes. I was very upset, depressed, yeah. and sad. And I think I called you a lot at that yeah, point. a lot. We would talk a lot. But yeah. I didn't. I liked it. Yeah. But there is one specific phone call that, and this phone call was probably less than seven or eight minutes long. And it was one of the most important phone calls, like, I've ever had in my life. I was going through a really tough time mentally. Negative, negative space in my head. Just going almost in a dark hole of, of like, burying myself with negative thoughts and sadness. And uh, I remember being, okay, I need to reach out, right? So I called my mom. My mom couldn't answer. I called my dad. My dad couldn't answer. I called my sister. My sister couldn't answer. And I called you, and you go, hey, Bobo, what's up? I'm currently, like, getting into my car, like, a few minutes away from my class, but I saw you were calling. So, like, I I needed to pick up. I can't even explain. I don't know what it is, but every time I see Brian Fleming appear on my phone, I panic and think something horrible has happened. I don't even know. I don't even know what it is because normally he's just calling to chat. But in my mind, I'm like, if I don't answer this call, the world is going to end. It's literally like motherly. I can't explain it. Every time he calls, I'm like, if I don't answer this phone call right now, even though I'm in the middle. Like, he called me the other night and I was on my way out to dinner and I had already been drinking but I was like if I don't answer this phone call I don't know what could happen yeah and he's like oh like you text me I just wanted to talk I'm driving home and I was like okay everything (laughs) is fine but I just think it's an overwhelming feeling that's like if I don't answer this phone no matter what I'm doing yeah something I can't yeah I can't do it so you answered the phone for me and just having somebody with that voice of just positivity and somebody that just knew, I, at that point you knew what I was going through, but like just knew how to just talk to me and make me feel better, pulled me through from that hole so fast that I was just in tears. Like you, you call, or I remember it too, you were sitting in your car. Mm-hmm. I stay outside of the, the parking library. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just couldn't, like, contain myself. I was in the basement of my building uh, at school doing homework and whatnot, and I just needed to get out of there. So I went. It's kind of a miserable day, too. I went and just sat on a bench and called you. Uh-huh. And when you answered, I, like, I just needed that. I needed somebody to be there to answer. Yeah. And not that my parents or my sister failed yeah, at that moment. Like, because it was the middle, listening yeah, to it, it was, was like, like the, the middle, middle of the, of the day, day on like a Thursday or yeah. something. But like, so they were all at work. Uh, but I just remember being like, I have an angel in my presence sort of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I am so thankful that you, like, I have that friendship that I can go to for yeah. that, you know. And it was, it was such a short conversation, but the, the gist just being like, like, how you doing? Let's catch up again. Yeah. I'm a little busy at the moment, but, like, like I told you how I was feeling and that I just needed to, like, hear from somebody that I cared about. Yeah. And you just, you pulled me from I that. I remember that. I. Yeah, I very distinctly remember that conversation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Best, best role that a, a friend can play is that, like, saving grace. Yeah, sometimes. and just being, being there. And sometimes mm-hmm. being there literally as simple as, like, answering the phone Mm -hmm. i don't think i didn't give you any sort of advice then no all i did was pick up you just it was presence yeah 
Well, and that's the thing. So have you heard of, um, this is something I learned about maybe last semester, I think, um, through Adriana. Have you heard about uh, the five love languages? Do you know what that is? No. So I don't know who wrote this book. Somebody out there will find it or whatever. Uh, but I listened, I didn't even listen to the book. It was like an audio book. Uh, and pretty much five love languages. I'm not even sure. Like, I don't even want to rattle them off because I'm going to blank on them. Yeah. But uh, pretty much you people receive or feel like they're receiving love in different ways. The way that I best receive love is, is quality time. That's what yeah. I've learned. So quality time to me is giving me your attention, giving me that, that like, quality uh, presence of mind, you know? Yeah. And I felt like in that moment, that was the only thing I got and the only thing I needed was that quality time, yeah. you know? Yeah. I have heard of love languages, actually. I was just talking about it with my sister the other day. I think my family's love language is giving each other shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we do, and but, like, we do it in the most loving you way. Guys, you guys are really good at that, actually. Yeah, and, like, the thing is, we'll give you... We'll talk shit about you in a very loving way when you're not there, mm-hmm. but we'll do the exact same thing to your face. Like, mm-hmm. right? It's, if you oh, it's not like a behind your back no, thing. No, not at all. But like that—that's what my family does, and like even in my relationship now, that's what we do. Oh, absolutely. And let me <laughs> let me point out for the anybody who's listening. Uh, you mentioned earlier how both your parents were working parents. You yeah. also mentioned this this giving each other flack all the time. Yeah. But. Uh, your family is one of the families that I know, at least from every family that I've encountered, one of the closest, oh, like, you guys are very tight-knit. We're very close. Yeah. It, it freaks people out how close we are, the amount of information that my siblings and I share with our parents, mm-hmm. and the amount of information that our parents share with us. Sometimes I think parent, people are like, what? This yeah. is uncomfortable. No, we're very close. We hang out all the time when we're together. Yeah. We even... My siblings, I have, I saw AJ, my brother, the past four days. Uh-huh. We live like three blocks away from each other. I talk and to your him. sister's close. Yeah, she's like five blocks. Yeah. I talk to my brother on the phone almost every day. Mm-hmm. He literally lives down the street from me still. Almost every day I talk to him. We're a very, very close family. Yes. So it's not like not like a, a thing of random hatred no. for each other. It's, no, it's, 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 it's our love it's language. It's very much... Fueled through yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's how we communicate. Every time that you guys come over here, too. Yeah. The whole family comes over, and it's... This this house is pretty quiet, all things considered. And as soon as your family comes over, it's We're very loud. not. We're yeah. loud. But I still think it's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to change gears a little bit. And so that's, that's a lot into understanding how friendship plays a role, right? Relationships. Yeah. But uh, something happened to maybe a couple days ago. When I don't remember when I asked you to, to hang out and do this. Uh, yeah, a couple of days ago. I just finished ago, a maybe. test. Yes, you just finished a test. Uh, my uh, One of my values being growth, I was like, hey, Kyra, I am thinking we should hang out. Or you mentioned that we I should hang out. I have to hang out because I had just – so I've been really busy with school. And I had just finished a test on Wednesday, and this is the first weekend, pretty much all summer, that I've had where I don't have to, I mean, I have work to do, don't get me wrong, I should be studying. Yes. But where I haven't had to absolutely spend hours upon hours studying, so I reached out to Bobo and was just like, let's do something. Let's do something. Yeah. Yeah, we really haven't hung out a lot since you've Mm -mm. been back. 
because I've been so busy. Yes. And so for p- quick quick uh, review on what post-bac is. Yeah, so basically I eventually want to go to medical school one day, but I felt that I wasn't competitive enough with my undergrad grades. Not that they weren't good, but I just wanted an extra leg mm-hmm. um, up. So a post-bac is a year-long program that basically helps you get into medical school. That's the most general way mm-hmm. idea. You know, you take classes that are not the same classes you're going to take in medical school, but cover concepts similar to it uh, to kind of give you a leg up. Yeah. What about the MCAT? Does that play into that at all? Yeah, so it works in study time for the MCAT. Really, the MCAT is you just have to learn how to take a test or yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she did really well. Yeah, she did, but it still sucked. She hated it, too. No yeah. one is like, ah, yes, yes the, the MCAT. MCAT. Fantastic. Yes, standardized exams that test my knowledge of being able to take a test. Oh, my yes. gosh. No, no one does that. You're right. No. Um. But that that is the purpose while you're back since you went to yeah your undergrad across yeah. the country, um, but growth. So I texted you and uh, texted you back. I was like, hey, uh, we could hang out on Saturday or Sunday. Wasn't sure yet, and uh, we should do paddleboarding, or like I think that paddleboarding would be fun. Then we get lunch and yeah. we record a podcast. And you were like, never done paddleboarding before, but that's something new to me, and I'm down to try it, because I'm trying to try new things. Yeah. You're trying to try new things. I'm trying to, I, I've done a lot of things for only being 21, but I'm also afraid of a lot of things, and I think the biggest thing I was afraid of was the opinion that other people in the world had of me, to like, where I didn't want to embarrass myself. I was afraid to ask for directions or admit that I was new to something and didn't know what was going on. And that really scared me away from trying a lot of things because a lot of times you have to try things by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, or you're never going to know how to do everything or where to go. You just never. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to get myself out of that mind frame that if I mess up and embarrass myself, the other people around me are going to judge me because they're really not going to think about it no. as much as I do. They're they not going to think about it five minutes after they see no, it. No, yeah. Where do you think that that stems from, that concept of being scared, of at least of, of judgment and whatnot? I think um, that's common. but I think it's common. I honestly think it might have stemmed from growing up with a learning disability that I didn't know about, mm-hmm. is I always felt that I learned differently and didn't understand why I learned differently than other people. Mm-hmm. So when school was a lot harder for me, I was like, everyone's going to judge me and think I'm dumb, mm-hmm. that I can't do it the same way. And I think that kind of transferred over into trying new things, that I was afraid to go to a gym I had never been to before because what if I do it wrong and people make fun of me? But mm-hmm. that's really not the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for those listening, who what... Uh, what learning disability do you have? Yeah, so in high school, um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, Mm -hmm. which uh, many people get really confused when I say I found out about it in high school. They think it just came up all of a sudden, but you're born with them. That's just when I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, so that really was an eye-opener. People thought I was going to get really depressed when I found out I had a learning disability, but it changed, completely changed everything, because all of a sudden, like, reading was always hard. Yeah. I could never read well, and all of a sudden I had a reason why I couldn't. Yeah. And it made sense. 
And I was like, oh, I'm not dumb. It's meant to be hard. Mm-hmm. So this rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also remember at Sally's, we had to do reading a lot. Yeah. We had a cabinet full of books. We read all the time. And something that I remember is, I don't even remember it. The name of the books are escaping me, but it was a series of mystery novels by, like, brothers. Or, like, a... Mi- yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, I remember having to sit in those... She has these, like, comfortable chairs, like, really big sofa chair-looking things. And we'd have to sit in those and read forever. And I hated that. Hated that for many reasons. But <laughs> I remember I spent one time, li- like, you know, the commercials. Yeah. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a lollipop? Yeah. I had a lollipop, and the entire time while I was supposed to be reading, I just counted how many licks it took yeah. me to get to the center. I don't remember what the number was, so it was wasted effort, but at uh, the time, it was important. Yeah. Uh, anyways, change it again, sorry. Uh, but the the concept of, of facing those sorts of fears, right? Yeah. Something also that I've been working on, and why I wanted to bring up the, the growth being one of my values is all about making yourself uncomfortable, putting yourself in situations that mm. you're not um, used to or you're not fully comfortable with. It doesn't mean necessarily dangerous or bad. Yeah. It might just be socially different than what you're used to. It might be embracing a fear that is probably unfounded for some reason, or maybe it's not, but it's really minor. The, the outcome of it will be very minor. Um, so when it comes to when you mentioned that you wanted to do new things, yeah, I was like, oh, this is her. This is her embracing growth, and that meant a lot to me when you did yeah, that. Yeah, that's really what I'm doing. I'm trying hard. What uh, what other things have you been trying to uh, grow upon? Uh, I've gotten into yoga. And that's very recent. Yeah, very recent. Um, and even really, it's not. I can't even think of things that I've intentionally been like trying to grow upon, but it's. I smile when I walk down the street at strange. Like I don't care. I just don't mm-hmm. care what people think of me. And you know, it turns out when you say hi to the bus driver and smile at them, they really appreciate it. That makes a big. Yeah. They sit there every single day and get loads and loads of ungrateful people that walk into that bus, and they constantly just get like pretty much overlooked on a day to day basis. They really do. Being seen. That's I found that to be important. Yeah. I see that with the bus drivers that there's there was like two or three that cycled on the same bus route mm-hmm. that I had taken a lot at school, um, the last two years of school, and they I I, I always said good morning and hello and thank you very yeah, much and have important. a great day, and those things are you know whether it's small or not if you mean it and it's genuine they know that you know yeah. I can see how that plays a huge role huge role yeah. Do you feel like of all these, you know, smaller efforts, whether they're, or maybe, maybe they're not so small, but yeah. you, didn't, you didn't die today for paddleboarding, yeah. but, uh, you know, whether these efforts have, uh, actually, do you feel the transition that your mind is making in a sense? Life just feels more fun. There's mm-hmm. one less thing to worry about. And you, which frees up more time for fun. Mm-hmm. I've been doing more fun things, meeting new people, trying new things, and it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found the biggest thing for me is, like, confidence, you know? 
the hard to find confidence. It, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. And I I don't know if you've noticed this, but like growing up, I was really I was shy. I was a shy kid. Yeah. I liked my friends and then beyond that I wasn't very social. But especially since I started working on it, but throughout college really the confidence factor I think it comes with having more experiences and just growing up. You can't just wake up one morning and be confident. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is a growing a growth that you need to grow upon. Mm-hmm. It takes time. I think I finally have gotten to a good place where I feel confident, but I'm definitely not done. Yeah? Yeah. How do you feel when you're in a situation where maybe your confidence is tested a little bit? Terrified. I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. Why is that? Because I still am a human, and I still get uncomfortable when I don't know what I'm supposed to do, even though I'm trying hard to embrace these things. I still hate it. Yeah? Yeah. Do you believe in the fake it till you make it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So true. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you can't live your whole life like that, but when I get... I went to yoga for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. And I was terrified. I was like, everyone's going to know I'm new and think I suck. And I was like, just going to act like I think I'm great. (laughs) Like, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No. Was that a transformative experience or just very, did you you strip back? No, I actually was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, I wasn't bad. Granted, you pretty much have a yogi in your house. Yeah, that's true. My older sister, yeah, but... Trying new things is terrifying, and you're going to be uncomfortable the first couple of times. But think of all the other things you do, right? Like, I was terrified to go to college, and they literally had to pry me away from that place when I graduated. I loved it there so much. You know, you grow, and you figure things out, and that's just important to be okay with. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like growth has played, uh, from from my view, especially the last seven years being fairly far away from you i've seen growth at least in you come in a very i don't i don't even know what the right word is to describe it but a very prominent way and more of like self-assurance you know like like i've seen how you hold yourself now compared to how you hold yourself at the beginning of high school compared to how you held yourself in middle school compared to when you were a kid and, you know, as kids, we were both just shy and in our own heads and whatever. But growing up in middle school and whatnot, like, you were kind of transitioning out of that tomboy-ish phase. And that was a lot of interesting yeah. dynamics in your own head, I'm sure. But I saw how you started to carry yourself um, throughout the beginning of high school. And even whenever you came back. And you felt, I the, the, the vibe I always got from you was very very positive always very positive person but it's somewhat still reserved in the way of like you will have fun you will you know you'll express yourself but at the same time I felt like there's always more going on in your head and maybe it was like just being withheld a little bit yeah and as soon as you like started coming back from college I'm sure whatever experiences you had there allowed you to just be you, you really uh, embraced yeah, the... Yeah, I just came into my own. Not give a shit yeah. about what other people think. And that's like... That is how I think most people should approach life. I mean, obviously, 
you should still care, like, if people think you smell bad and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants a stinky person I think around. I think good hygiene is not exempt from the rule of not giving a shit. Um, I think you need to keep good hygiene. But, like, not, I'm just, I'm not, I don't care about embarrassing myself anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think I just finally, it took a really long time. And there's no set time that you're going to be, oh, I don't care what people think. It takes a long time, but I think it's important to try and work towards that. Mm -hmm. And I'm still working towards not caring about it 100%, but I've realized I really care less Mm -hmm. now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's something, too, that um, if you're not prepared for for how people could react to stuff, or in the sense, prepared being in the sense of not like, I know exactly what they're going to say, but being like, emotionally, I'm stable, or supportive-wise, like, yeah. I got the right people around me. If you're not prepared for the way that people can retaliate with whatever their actions are or thoughts are, uh, you know... It could it could be very very difficult, but more than anything, the concept of being very self assured and self aware yeah. to the point where you know this is me, this is my true being. Yeah. I don't need to force myself to be something I'm not. And having other people not like it just kind of tells you, well, maybe they don't. If they if this is so repulsive or whatever, besides your hygiene, <laughs> yeah. if this is so repulsive, yeah. then then they just need to. They, they don't deserve to be around me. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I want to kind of wrap up and come full circle. You still have to study tonight, and I think, uh, I think me and uh, the family are going to be going out soon. Grocery shopping? What are you guys doing? Uh, I found out that we're going to take um, friend Tyler downstairs uh, and his wife and his nephew. They leave today. They're flying out today. So we're going to take them to dinner before we Um, for those who are listening, for the, you know, forget we're doing a podcast, uh, I want to, I haven't figured out a good ending for for most of these, but I do want to leave them slash myself with a little bit of a, a nice, you know, little parting gift, a little gift basket with a bow on top of what they can take away as like a learning lesson from this. So from being my best friend of 21, almost 22 years, from the relationship aspect of it, from how, you know, growth has impacted your life and all that, what do you think is something that, maybe just even you to me, what do you think is something that I can do tomorrow or the next day or whatever, sometime very much on a daily basis to just improve myself? Um, I really think, and this is still something I'm trying to learn and do, but not being resistant to change. Mm-hmm. And because chances are, the change is going to, if you're in control of your own life, the change is going to be for the better. And just because things aren't the same as they've always been, doesn't mean they're not going to be great in a new way. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with that change. And let it happen to see all the great possibilities. Become more comfortable with yourself. Be okay with it. Be okay with relationships being different and knowing that if they're important, they're not going to go away. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah.
thank you so much. This was fun. This was so much fun. Yeah. And I enjoyed our day today, too. Me, too. <laughs> this was a good day. A very good Sunday. Sundays only suck. It's the Lord's day. No, I was kidding. Sundays suck. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Joey would give me that. Sunday fun You always day. have to. No. No one has fun on Sundays except for people that are putting off their week's problems. Look. I always spend Sundays studying. All day. And I'm miserable. I hate it. Okay. We'll end it there. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bobo. Ugh. Maybe I start every Sunday just, like, studying. Because I always have tests on Monday.